Honeymoons are an opportunity to spend time alone with the person that you love. Or at least that's what we're told. It is a time to go somewhere new, celebrate your newly married status, and enjoy a vacation at the same time. A honeymoon is supposed to be a happy time, but as we all know, life isn't always that simple. Sometimes the person that you marry is actually a monster in disguise. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the 1988 disappearance and murder of Karen Roston, a honeymooner who made it only nine days into her married life before she was killed by her new husband. Of course, if you ask him, she was actually killed by assassins, but don't worry, we'll get to that in a little bit. Marriage is a fairly complicated agreement. We say things like for better or worse, or for sickness and in health. And in general, we mean this in a loving way. We see it as a chance to really bond, to commit our lives to someone, and the tax break is pretty great too. The problem is that for some people, marriage isn't a testament to love or an agreement to spend your life together. For some people, the moment that you get married is when the mask comes off, and this is where things can go very wrong. Our not-so-love story begins and ends in 1988 with a marriage between Dr. Scott Robin Roston and his new wife, Karen Roston. Externally, these two seemed like an obvious match. Scott was a chiropractor who made a life out of fitness, and... Karen was equally as interested in medicine and fitness. As a physical therapist and a fellow fitness fanatic following a life of dance and amazingly daily 10-mile walks, Karen was on the surface a great match for Scott. With a match that is this aligned, it isn't surprising that a whirlwind romance followed, but not everyone was as on board as you might think. Karen's family had some suspicions about Scott. They didn't like him. They believed that he seemed too good to be true, and her mother actually described him as too perfect. Which, if you've met somebody like that, you know what it means, right? Now, I will admit that reading posts about nightmare in-laws is definitely one of my guilty pleasures on Reddit. So I am fully aware that there are tons of in-laws out there that are standoffish about the person that their child chooses to be with. But in this case, it seems possible that Karen's family saw something that she just didn't. In fact, her mother was so worried about Scott Roston and so convinced that he was a complete fraud that she actually took the time to get Karen's ring appraised because she was completely convinced that it was fake. Unfortunately, it would be too late by time they were proven right about what kind of man Scott was. The real story here starts aboard a cruise ship known as the Star Dancer. According to Scott Roston, he and Karen were spending their time aboard the ship's deck at 
three o'clock in the morning when something terrible happened. His new bride, Karen, suddenly fell overboard. Now, Scott claims that they were up there for a completely normal reason. He said that they were running on the ship's jogging track. You know, like you do at three o'clock in the morning. And maybe I'm missing something here, but I will say that my boyfriend is a Navy vet and a personal trainer. Big boats and exercise are kind of his thing. And if he asked me to go on a 3 a.m. run on a cruise ship, I would still think, huh, that seems like a weird thing to do. But this is the story that Scott decided to go with at the time. At least it was his first one. But let's explore the possibility. In Scott's story, Karen was innocently enjoying her 3 a.m. run, when a sudden gust of wind swept her overboard. In one version, Scott was completely unable to help. She was gone too soon. But then later his story changed. Suddenly, Karen was dangling over the edge of the ship, and he attempted to catch her and pull her up, but he just couldn't. And it was a terrible, terrible, terrible tragedy. Of course, the crew, and eventually the Coast Guard, would step up to dissect his story. They pointed out that where the ship was, about 20 miles out from San Diego, had perfectly clear weather that night. They said that they had a maximum recorded wind speed under 5 miles an hour, which isn't exactly toss a fully grown woman off a boat weather. And then they looked into it further. This spontaneous gust of wind must have really been something, because the railing where Karen fell was three and a half feet tall. Now, I'm an inch taller than Karen, so I was curious where this would fall on me. And it came clear up to my chest, so I think this tells us a lot about how unrealistic this was. I'm pretty sure that I would struggle to launch myself over a railing that high, and I don't think that 5 mile per hour wind is really up to the task of it. And then there was some other concerning evidence. Scott Rostin looked like he'd been attacked, which was an obvious point of interest for police, given the fact that his wife had disappeared. He had marks on his face and a pretty decent scratch. He made up this story about how he hit himself on something while trying to save her, but it was considered a lie because there was no evidence that it actually happened and they couldn't find his DNA where he claimed it should have been. So all of this obviously left police wondering, what really happened here? We've discussed cruise ship murders before and talked about just how terrifyingly effective they are. Most of the time, there isn't a body. And there's always a lot of confusion regarding who is responsible for investigating the crime. And maybe Scott Rostin was counting on that. 
maybe he thought that he was going to get away scot-free, as the kids say. Unfortunately, his plan was ruined when the Coast Guard made a chilling discovery. Later that afternoon, the Coast Guard discovered Karen's body. She hadn't slipped below the surface of the water like everybody suspected. Instead, her clothes filled with air, allowing her to float around along the surface until she was found. This fact by itself was a point of interest in the case because it actually confirmed something for police. It told them that Karen was unconscious when she hit the water. According to experts, if she was still alive, swimming would have forced the air out of her clothes. So if they had any suspicions about Scott's story, they only grew when medical professionals had a chance to look at the body. Karen suffered several clear injuries, and unless the ocean learned how to choke someone or Ariel was feeling extra salty about not being able to walk on land, it certainly looked like someone attempted to kill her. And indirectly, they succeeded. While it was obvious that Karen was unconscious when she hit the water, the water in her lungs told police that she actually died from drowning in that water. Obviously, Karen having been strangled prior to entering the water caught the attention of investigators, and they wanted to hear more from the man with what was now an even less believable story. Of course, they wanted to question a few other people too, but let's start with Scott. Basically, from what I can tell, Scott looked at police and thought, wow, they really don't seem to believe my story. Let me just try to come up with an even more ridiculous story and see if that one works. Spoiler, it didn't. When questioned and faced with more evidence about Karen's death, Scott completely changed gears. He told police that, in reality, something even more terrible happened. Something that was so terrible, he had to make up a lie to cover it up to protect himself. Karen, his brand new bride was actually murdered by secret agents from Israel. And no, I am not joking. This was his formal defense that he stuck with. You know when a little kid lies, but they're really bad at it, and you have to half-humor them? while trying to catch them in the lie. That's the kind of feeling that I got the entire time that I was reading through this case. Scott truly believed that he could convince investigators that Israeli secret agents murdered his wife out of retaliation against him. This is just some random guy, right? 
obviously, this excuse is not in the top 10 list of lies that most of us would tell when accused of a crime because it is completely ridiculous. But don't worry, Scott really thought this through. He wasn't saying that it was a spontaneous attack. No, Scott claimed that this was a committed attack by Israel to personally harm him. He said that she died because the Israeli government was out to get him. And before you think that this is completely out of nowhere, it is important to know that a year before her murder, Scott published a book called Nightmare in Israel. In this book, he claimed to break down countless crimes committed against him by the Israeli government during the time that he lived there. He also formally filed a police report after the launch of the book, claiming that Israeli secret agents tried to abduct him while he was at a mall in Palm Beach. There's a lot to unpack here, obviously. Now, this is all my opinion, but I think that Scott probably made up this kidnapping attempt to try and sell his book, which only ever sold one copy. See, this book was not picked up by a publisher, and it was not destined for greatness by itself. Scott worked with Vantage Press to publish the book, which, if you didn't know, was the largest vanity press in the United States until it closed in 2012. See, in the modern world, anyone can be an author. And for obvious reasons, I think that's a really great thing. But that's also more common today than it used to be. Putting a book on Amazon is pretty easy, but back in Scott's time, vanity publishers were all the rage. See, a vanity publisher is, in most circumstances, a kind of scammy front for real publishing. And they are notorious for scamming well-meaning authors out of a lot of money while promising them a successful book launch. Basically, they charge you a lot of money, they say they will print and publish and share the book. It does not go well for most people. So, Scott wrote his book and paid someone a bunch of money to publish this thing for him. And then he likely paired this with a police report with no evidence to add some degree of credibility to his book launch. At least, that is my theory. Obviously, this is me just running with an idea, and I can't say whether her murder was another opportunity to promote his book, though I doubt that even if he did make the kidnapping claim. But let's get back to the facts at least as they were told by Scott. In Scott's book, he claimed that he was placed in a mental hospital and jail for several months because he didn't want to marry his neighbor's niece. He said that when he declined to marry her, he was targeted and accused of attacking the family, which is how he ended up in prison 
and honestly, I can't really confirm anything about this part of the story, so take it all with a grain of salt. His formal defense was Israeli hitmen, and he rode that all the way into the courtroom. He even went so far as to accuse two passengers aboard the ship, who were from Israel, of committing the crime. When police looked into this, I have to assume, while laughing about what a wild story it was, they determined that these two passengers were a most treacherous duo. A wedding photographer and his friend. As you can imagine, the courts were really not on board with this, and these two falsely accused international travelers were let go. But these two voices were not the only ones that were against Scott. When police were exploring Scott's seemingly impossible story, they were also doing their due diligence in talking to other passengers. And what those passengers had to share was anything but flattering. Apparently, Scott and Karen were fairly well known on the cruise ship. People took notice of them for a pretty obvious reason. They were what we all know as the publicly unhappy couple. You know how every once in a while you're in a place and you see two people who clearly shouldn't be together? They are the ones that are fighting in public and saying uncomfortable things that basically make everyone around them either angry, annoyed, or just uncomfortable. Well, the passengers on the Star Dancer reported that Scott and Karen were this couple. And that Scott seemed to be the problem. Witnesses would tell police that their relationship seemed tense and that Scott seemed fairly volatile. Their fellow passengers said that Scott got visibly angry with Karen for committing the unholy crime of eating sweets on her honeymoon, and that he was very upset that she didn't know which fork to use from the table's fancy selection of silverware. It seemed pretty obvious that Scott was controlling and angry, and it sure didn't help that these disputes were seen as recently as within the same hour that Karen went missing. For obvious reasons, this did not look good for Scott. The courts were convinced that Scott was guilty, and they sentenced him to life in prison without parole for his crimes. This was an incredible relief to Karen's relatives, who were obviously afraid that Scott would get away with it. But, of course, Scott wasn't quite done yet. Ultimately, I think that Scott was just ready to try anything to get out of being punished for his crimes. Eventually, he dropped his super-secret agent story in favor of something more standard. He claimed that the courts messed up when selecting a jury, and that if they had done their job right, he would have been convicted on a lesser charge. Manslaughter. His argument for this was that you can be charged with manslaughter if there is sound evidence that someone made you do it or created the circumstances within which it could happen. You know, like, 
eating sweets on your honeymoon when fitness is your thing. But the courts were not impressed by this, so Scott changed his story again. It wasn't the sweets, silverware, or Karen doing anything that he didn't approve of. It was all of those things, and then he claimed that they had a fight. He said that Karen scratched him. You know, the scratches that he lied about earlier. And that being scratched sent him into such a rage that he strangled her, warping her collarbone, and tossed her body overboard. I'm trying to imagine the audacity that goes into making this kind of argument like it's sound logic, but it seems pretty clear that Scott wasn't exactly of sound mind to begin with. His argument actually reminded me of that guy a decade back that killed five people because he said his wife served him cold eggs for breakfast. Anyway, in the end... Scott just kept coming up with one story after another, all while waiting for someone to take him seriously, and ultimately, it would be determined that his entire life was kind of a made-up story. Scott Rostin wasn't even a licensed chiropractor, and though he claimed to have money, it later became clear that he had none of it. Honestly, it seems like his entire life was a lie. And I have to wonder what the truth really is here. Did Scott kill Karen because he was a narcissist who wasn't getting his way? Did he kill her to revive interest in his unsuccessful and likely made-up book? Or did he have hopes of getting media attention and possibly a check when his new bride went missing? Honestly, we'll never know, and it isn't like we can trust in Scott to tell us the truth. So, you will have to tell me what you guys think about this one. Was it the random act of a controlling man, or did Scott have some other grand plan in the works? Or, was it actually all a conspiracy? Should we be afraid of wedding photographers and the people who keep their company? You will have to tell me. Of course, if you want to discuss Honeymoons, Vanity Publishers, or the movie Big Fish, which is somehow more believable than anything Scott ever said, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. 